Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Alex Youngblood here, and I've got Joe McCall with me, and we are the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, the best often imitated but never duplicated podcast on real estate investing. We talk about real people doing real deals and uh, how you can do it too. So we've got some great information. We've got uh, another great investor today, and uh, looking forward to getting into it. But first of all, how are you doing, Joe McCall? Alex, thanks, man. I'm doing good. Doing real good. I'm actually standing on my walking treadmill right now. Have I told you about this yet? You're standing on your walking treadmill. <laughs> Are you actually walking? I tell you, this morning it's uh, 11 o'clock and I've already walked. I'll tell you in just a second as this thing flashes. 1.6 miles. So, yeah, I walk when I work. It's, I have a standing desk. And this, it's a standing, tr- wow. it's a, it's a treadmill underneath my desk, but it's not like your typical treadmill that has the big arms that come up with the panel. It's got yeah, this little, yeah. it's like this panel that's connected, but it's just sitting on top of my desk. It's connected to the treadmill by a wire a cable. And so, yeah, I'll walk. You have to send a picture of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, fitness type thing today. I did one of those uh, Beachbody Insanity Max 30 workouts. It's 30 minutes of Uh-oh. death. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a far cry from that. Like, I just turned it yeah, on. It's walk- walking's good. I, I'm know, averaging so. about four miles a day just All walking right. while I work and probably about three hours. I'm, like, right now I'm doing it. I don't know if you can hear me. But um, if I'm, like, huffing and puffing by the end of this interview, <laughs> you'll know why. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing like 1.1 miles per hour right now, just walking. Wow. And I haven't sat down in my chair in about two weeks. How's that working for you? I feel good. I feel fine. You know, um, at first I was like, you know, I was really sore. I won't tell you where, but I was like really sore. sore. <laughs> and is it, uh, is, it, is it reflecting on the scale? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. But how, you know, you can't expect, I've been doing this for two weeks now, right? So sure. I don't know, maybe it has, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I just want to, I just want to uh, get in better shape and I feel better when I'm actually walking while I'm working. Right. And Absolutely. It, it takes a little bit of getting used to, you know, um, but I enjoy it. Here I am doing a podcast and I'm walking Yeah. and, uh, that's commitment right there, man. That's commitment to up, you know, to take your office and change it completely to have a walking desk like that. that's great. The one problem with it though is like underneath my desk, I have all these cables everywhere, so it looks like a yeah. mess. It looks like yeah. a looks like a giant mess. It's not like you can hide this stuff behind a desk, like all your yeah. cables and things. But anyway, uh, one more thing I'll say too. Uh, did a deal the other day. Uh, another automated wholesaling deal, as they call it. You're, you're going to be doing a virtual wholesaling class real soon here with Sean Terry, which will be awesome, I'm sure. Uh, I just did a virtual wholesaling deal. I call it virtual wholesaling 2.0, Alex, because yes, I'm always yes. I'm always one step ahead of you. Right? Well, well, no, no, you're not because <laughs> yes. I've actually been doing this model, and you just kind of coined the terms. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I've been teaching you, I know, because, you know, that's the way we've always been. I'm usually teaching <laughs> you the way to do things. I'm just kidding. But uh, this is a deal, man, I never did anything except train my team how to send out the marketing, train my VA how to pre-screen the leads, how to put them in Podio. Then my local wholesaler gets the leads uh, that have been pre-screened, calls the sellers back, gets it under contract, Flips it to, in this case, it was one of his buyers. Sometimes we'll flip it to one of my buyers. And my half of the deal was 5300 bucks. I never talked to the seller. I have no idea where the house is. I have no idea Not who the buyers are. Not a bad day. I could dig into Podio and get all that information if I wanted. But, yeah, isn't that great? And my local wholesaler, he's a good friend, um, he's actually uh, paying half of the marketing with me. That's perfect. That, I mean, that's the model that I usually that I'm using in uh, some of my virtual markets is uh, you know half on marketing, 
and uh, yeah, and they do the runaround basically, and 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 get what we need. I deploy the marketing, use my strategical sifting and sorting methods, and get the best possible leads and send them on out. <laughs> so you're doing the same thing. Did I say that? I did I say it was 2.0? I'm doing 3.0. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm, you are ahead of me then. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing the 3.0. You're still 2.0. But, you know, that's cool. So are you managing your leads when you do this through FreedomSoft? Are you doing still Podio? What are you, what are you doing with those Mainly, leads? Well, actually, to be honest, because honesty is the best policy, I was talking to the new owner of FreedomSoft, which is Rob Swanson. Good friend of ours. And I went ahead and ran ran this last campaign I did uh, through FreedomSoft to see, uh, to see the flow of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm working through it again as, it, as, it spe- as, as we speak. Good for you. Um, the texting feature is nice, but uh, we're working through the flow issue and trying to get the smoothest way to move around it so the VAs can do handle the leads to the max capacity. All right, so if you're using FreedomSoft, how do you hand off the leads to your local wholesaler? He has a login to your FreedomSoft account. Well, he has his own account, but you can you can. I mean, he has full access to my account because he's a friend of mine. So that's not a big you know that's not a big issue. But you can give people an access and then limit what they can do. Oh, so FreedomSoft lets you have users. Yeah, uh, that is new, isn't it? Uh, probably. I think it is because it didn't used to be that way. I don't think. I mean, it used to be like everybody would log into the same account. But see, if you're doing this in virtual markets, and Cody, we'll get to you in just a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our guest, guys, is Cody, and he's getting he's sitting there patiently waiting, getting annoyed. But um, so, Alex, real quick, though, uh, the thing I love about Podio is I can give different workspaces to different users, right? I can control yes. all of it. And so I can be in multiple markets, and only somebody in that market can see only their leads, right? So is right. there – so there are users in – FreedomSoft that you can limit? Am I? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, they don't have that down yet. They're working on it, though. Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. I, well, I've been really, really impressed with the progress and what I'm seeing in FreedomSoft. Um, I know Chris Chico. I uh, just I've been talking to him a lot lately. He's actually starting to do use more FreedomSoft more and more. Um, the, the powerful thing about it is it's simple, and you don't have to create anything. It's just kind of there. And uh, as you get more advanced, as you go into new markets, as you do maybe different kinds of deals like rehabbing or or if you do property management or you want to track your admin, maybe you might need something like a Podio that you can kind of custom build. Uh, But FreedomSoft is great for right out of the box. You can actually start using it, and it's real simple and easy to learn. Um, But cool. All right. I am... uh, Cody, I mean, uh, Rob Swanson told me the other day he's working on a few things. I'm just waiting until he gets that stuff done before I start really digging into it and promoting it myself. So yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, hey, Alex, we've got uh, Cody on the line, Cody Hoffine. And Cody is from Utah. Is that right, Cody? That is correct. Salt Lake City. A mutual ah. mutual friend of ours, Tom Kroll, we've had on our show a couple times. Uh, he's a great do, investor. Do you know uh, Andy McFarland? Andy McFarlane. Yes, I do. In fact, I'll kind of get into that. I I own an insurance agency and I insure all of his fix and flips and rentals. And look at that. Yes, I know Andy. I know Andy really well. Good friend of mine. We've had Andy on the show twice. Oh, yeah. And uh, Andy is a good good one to interview. Yeah, he's doing a lot of cool things. So, Cody, um, how long have you been in Utah? I have been here all of my life. So, 33 years. I've heard a lot of good things about Salt Lake City market, right? Yeah, fantastic. It's a good market. So Tom Kroll told me we got to get you on the show. And uh, you're doing some pretty cool things, (laughs) Tom. Bam! Do I have a bell around here? Those of you that know, those of you that know Tom, that's all he says all the time. Bam! How you doing? How you doing, Tom? Easy peasy lemon squeezy. (laughs) That's it. Easy peasy lemon squeezy is the other one. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. Um, so Cody, why, why, why did Tom say to talk to you? I mean, what do you, what do you got going on in Salt Lake city? That's, that's so cool. 
You know, Salt Lake City is just a great market in general. But I, uh, what I do is I just focus on wholesaling. Uh-huh. So I don't do any of the fix and flip or the rehab. Maybe yet. Maybe there's something in the future there. But I just focus on wholesaling. And Salt Lake's got such an amazing market for wholesaling. There's a plethora of cash buyers. It's, uh, it's a hot market. It's a, it's a ever-increasing in price market. <laughs> It's yeah. kind of trending 2000H, which is a little scary, but right now it is. It's a, it's a hot market. It's a, it's a great market, and uh, wholesaling is a fantastic way to make great money, a wholesome way to make great money. So, Cody, talk a little bit about your history. You said you own an insurance company uh, or an agency. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I do. So that started back in 2010, and I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I worked for a company called Best Vinyl. I sold vinyl fencing. And I loved sales. I loved it. It was just, it was in my blood to just be a salesman. But I wanted to do something that would have some kind of residual slash be my own owner. And so I started an insurance agency back in 2010 and uh, still continue to own that. I have found a way to kind of systematize that or system tight. What is the word I'm looking for? Systemize. Systems in place. Systemize. System in place and, and some process in place so it's automated. I go in there and do some some trainings and stuff, but that that one kind of runs on its own, and it's all because I wanted to get more into to wholesaling, more into real estate investing in general. Nice. So between the two, I absolutely love it, and it's 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 just the next stage of life is is wholesaling right now. How did you hear about wholesaling? How did you get uh, interested in real estate? You know, Alex nailed it just a second ago. It's actually Andy McFarland, believe it or not. Wow. So that. I, uh, I went to his seminar. It was 2000 and it was January 2015. I went to a seminar that him and Justin Williams put on. Right on. Oh, and, is that the one where they sang or something? Or Justin <laughs> sang? He's always Justin singing. Sings, I think in every stinking one, man. <laughs> I met. Uh, I met. I, I've. Uh, we, I've known Justin for a year or two, and we've interviewed him on the show before. Great guy, awesome guy. Um, I met his wife for the first time just a month or two ago at uh, an event down in San Diego. Man, that that's a great. They're such a great couple. Uh, so cool to hang out with them and talk to them. And um, okay, so cool. Talk about your um, this workshop. What were they talking about? Why did you get interested in it in wholesaling? For it was so I'd have been insuring these people forever. I insure. I probably in Utah insure probably the most investors in the state of Utah, and uh, it just was intriguing me. So I finally paid for a seminar, and it, they didn't charge much. And, and at the time, I was like, "Man, is this going to be a waste?" And I know it's going to sound stupid. That I'm even saving that. I think it was only like two hundred bucks, by the way. Like very, 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 very affordable. But at the time, I was like, is this going to be a waste? But I know Andy good enough. He's just, just he said about Justin. He, good guy. The great power couple like Justin and his wife. I mean, just great people. So I went to it and uh, he had me do some like actionable items. And that's when I just figured, you know what, Cody, jump in or jump out. And so I decided to jump in full speed. And from there, that's where I started taking some action and I started doing some simple things by listening to podcasts. By the way, Joe, I was listening to yours. I was listening to at the time I was yours, Sean Terry's. It was, uh, there was a few others and I started doing yellow letters. I don't do those now, but I was doing yellow letters at the time and, and got some phone calls, started talking to people and, and man, was I failing so fast. But looking back, those failures were my greatest success moments and, hmm. and pushed me forward to get to where I am now. So that's kind of the the route, and then finally I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of wasting some of my money on what I think could work or what could work and what may work and trying to reinvent the wheel. Instead, I just took the big jump and uh, hired a mentor. Awesome. Which was Tom Kroll? Which was Tom Kroll, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Talk a little bit about... Bam! 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 <laughs> uh, talk about... Um, uh, you talk about failures, and one of the things I like about Justin, the way he teaches his stuff, is he talks a lot about failing forward fast. Um, and it's, you're going to be failing, and it, especially when you're started, when you get started, and even after you have some experience, you're always going to be dealing with failure at times. You know, you think something works, you put a lot of time and energy and investment into it, and it doesn't work like you thought it would. 
So what were some of the failures that you were struggling with at the beginning, Cody? Good question. The failure was trying to understand what is a motivated seller. I was so new. I didn't know it could be easy. I didn't know what it sounded like, what questions to ask, uh, how to gauge like the, the, I call it the temperature scale, how to gauge if this person I'm talking to is, is not motivated, is motivated. Those were some of my, my failures. So I booked a ton of appointments. Ah. I found out that I spent tank after tank of gasoline going to appointments that never amounted to anything. However, looking back, it is completely different than what I just said. Every one of those appointments helped me learn everything that I do today. I would always have my phone in my back pocket. I push record and I would literally record every conversation I went in there and I just start talking to people and there'd be some points where there'd be some heated up moments or something like that, that I could then go to my phone and say, okay, what did I say that made this conversation just go sour from here forward? Wow. And then I'd learn from that saying, man, Cody, you shouldn't say that next time. Don't say that, that, that came across as offensive or this came across wrong or, Hey, this conversation went really well. What did I say right there? That was a real trigger for this guy to all of a sudden start connecting with me. And I'd listen to this over and over and over again and uh, just started replicating that stuff. Did you get any under contract when you did that? Any? I did. Well, yes, I had one under contract. It was oh, four hours from my home. It was in Utah still, but it was southern Utah. I live in, in uh, wow. oh, central Utah, I guess you can say. But it was under contract. I ended up, didn't know what I was doing. So I have a, a friend that I had made over time that lived in southern Utah Worked with him. We got under contract. Ended up not going anywhere, so that canceled. And uh, yeah, from there it was it was just pushing forward. So yes, I had one under contract. It didn't go anywhere, but it didn't stop my uh, drive to find the next one. <laughs> well, the reason I asked that is because you know there's there's kind of different ways of doing this business where you can go out if they have equity, go. You know, kind of the old. Uh, yeah, uh, Rich, I guess Richard, Richard Roop style. Richard Roop, Dan Duran, the money man. Yeah, if they have equity, go. Don't ask questions about anything else. Um, and then there's the, uh, do they seem like they're motivated over the phone? Kind of, if they are, then I'll go. But, you know, people think different things about that. And to say, we'll say, you know, based on your salesmanship is how each of those appointments is going to go like, so can you make somebody who's expecting 150,000 asking in their lead sheet or, or answering service or whatever it is, except 50,000, <laughs> you know? So how can you tell the difference between somebody who's going to take that big price drop and somebody that's not? It's a good question. Man, that, I love that question. And I have an answer that worked on just a deal just recently. Perfect. Uh, here was one that I love. It was a home that a guy was talking to me. I was talking to him. Here's how I, here's what may be different. I hope this is a gold nugget for everyone. If it is great, I've done my job, but it is, I, I don't worry about the price. In fact, I never talk price over the phone ever, 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 ever. What I do focus on is motivating factors, things that may never change in their life, things that are escalating and maybe ramping up even more. Uh, whether that's divorce, whether that's I lost my job, whether that's, hey, I have to move in the next 20 days because I got to be out of state and I'm moving from Utah and moving to Arizona. Whatever those things are, I, that's what I'm gauging and that's what I'm asking nonstop are the questions to find out, is this guy truly motivated? Because really in all, all reality, I, I don't care about what the price is on the phone. I had a guy just, just a couple months ago, 180, he was firm. I can't go any lower. I won't go any lower. I knew my max allowable offers, probably 135 to make this work. And so I booked the appointment because the motivating factors were there. The price wasn't. But again, I, I don't focus on that as much as I focus on motivating factors. And so I booked the appointment, go out, locked it up for 123. Wow. So you're basically saying Perfect. instead of if there's equity go, you're saying if there's motivation go. Correct. Correct. Now, I always ask in that script that I do, I always ask, hey, what's owed against the property? And you got to ask that with some, some authority because you can't hesitate and say, uh, do you mind me asking you what's, yeah, what you owe on it? They that. won't say it. 
they won't tell you. But if you say, so what's owed against the property? And maybe sometime they'll ask you, well, what does that have to do with the deal? Well, I need to know all different answers, all different scenarios, because if I'm going to truly help you, I want this to be a win-win. This is probably one of the scenarios is I need to know what you owe so I can know if there's going to be a win-win with some of the options I'm going to present you. Yeah. Alex, what's your philosophy on this? Um, you're really good with sellers. You, you're, you've always, well, you have been for long as I've known you. And, uh, <laughs> but what's your philosophy? Equity go, motivation well, go. When do you go? I would tell you it's based on your workforce. If, if you have a bunch of sales reps, then, you know, if you go, if you have the business model where you actually have a lot of different uh, acquisition managers, well, then you've got to send those people on those leads. Um, and, you, and it becomes a regular sales business and Sales 101 is really to never pre-qualify. It's just to it's just to go. Like if back in the day when I was a sales rep selling security systems, if they ever caught me pre-qualifying a lead before I went out there, they would be not very happy about it. Oh, really? Because it's your job as a salesperson, whatever the situation is, to present the solution and to present it well. So. Um, but there's some basic there's some basic prequalification you need to do. You need to make sure that they that they, they have to have equity. Yes. Right. Okay. But like in the security alarm business, you have to make sure they have actual they actually live in a place and not like a mobile home, right? Yeah, that is a basic prequal. Yes, but not. Are you shopping? Um, are Are you ready to make a decision today? Okay. Um, okay. Are you? Um, what's your, you know, what's your budget, you know, stuff like that. Um, that would make people give, get you to give them a price over the phone without presenting all the benefits. Um, it's just, they're just going to get what they've got and that's it. You know, they're, they're going to, and, and that's see, and that's a battle we face too in the business of making offers over the phone, because if people are in a multiple investor situation, they're going to get the number from you. What's your name? Oh, Alex Youngblood. And what's your number you're offering me? Okay, great. And then when you try to call them back, they're not going to answer because they already have your number. Now they're just going to use it as a benchmark against everybody else. So you've got to be careful with that. Sure, sure. So what do you – This is the reason why I'm asking is I have only been – I haven't been to a seller's house or talked to a seller in, <laughs> in years – so I'm not the guy to be talking about this, but uh, yeah, I just yeah no I go if I feel there's motivation surrounding the situation. So um, I look for multiple motivating factors. Like, is it inheritance? Um, it's vacant, and they have equity. That's like a trifecta. That's like three different things right there that would say yeah go. Um, if they're just curious about a price, I'm probably not going to go to that one. Now, if I had a bunch of salespeople underneath me, then I would probably say, yeah, go. That's your job because it's your job to get as many no's as you can until you get to a yes. You know, that's, and you're gonna, that's your role. And you're going to get more yeses when you're face-to-face with the seller than you are on the phone. Absolutely. Can- Way to close people belly-to-belly, so to speak. Yeah. Or some people say knee-to-knee. <laughs> Um, is a better, you're, you're more likely to close somebody that way than over the phone because somebody can just hang up the phone and they'll say, oh yeah, I agree, send me the contract. And then you send it to them, they never send it back and now you're stuck in the, you're, you're, you lose all your momentum at that point. Good. So Cody, what are some of the motivation questions that you like to ask sellers? And Alex, of course, chime in too. What are, what are some good motivation questions to determine whether this is something you need to spend more time on or not? Good question. What I usually ask is, one of the questions I always ask, and I ask it this way every time is, man, this seems like a great home. Why are you considering <laughs> selling it? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that And I that want one. them to tell me the truth. And they may may not tell me, but I'll, I'll stay on that question. If it takes me an hour to stay on that question until I find out. I'd rather know within this hour phone call versus driving out an hour, wasting two hours, gas, and everything else, and opportunity cost to find out, oh, there was nothing here. So I'll spend that time. And, and sometimes like, oh, sometimes I want to – we're just thinking about moving. Moving, okay, so where are you thinking of moving? 
And this was one, a, a specific one that happened. Um, well, we're thinking of moving to Arizona. Oh, okay. Man, why would you live in Arizona? It's like 130 degrees down there. Right. Like Utah has all seasons. <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. Well, we're moving down there because um, we're actually going to be moving in with my, my parents. And I thought, boom, you just went from a three to a six in motivation. Yeah. And then here's what the difference is. And I, I've said this on a podcast, so this is some replication, but this, this was a game changer. I always ask the positive or assume the positive, and people will tell you the truth. If I asked you, Joe, how much money do you make each year? You may be reluctant to say, Cody, that's none of your business. But if I said, Joe, you must make like $2 million a year. You have the greatest life. I mean, who has a treadmill under their desk but Joe McCall, <laughs> right? Or whatever it may be, right? Right. And, and you're going to be quick to say, no, Cody, I don't make $2 million a year. I make, I'm making this up, $1 million a year. I, it could be $5 million. But anyways, regardless, you'll tell me because I'm assuming something positive. So I said it in this scenario. I said, okay. You're moving in with your parents because of the Arizona market. The same with the mortgage question. I like to ask, so do you own the house free and clear? Yeah, yeah. Instead of Straight asking, up that buy way. it. Yeah. I assumed the best for this Arizona person. I said, oh, you're moving in with mom and dad because you have a great home being built. Versus why are you moving in with mom and dad? Interesting. They'd probably be reluctant to tell me. But I said, oh, you're probably moving with mom and dad because you're getting a nice big home built for you right now, right? Actually, no. My husband lost his job. Bingo! You just went from a six uh, to a nine. Wow, I like that. Assuming the positive, I mean, we should we should do that in all of our relationships. <laughs> yes, that's that's yes. something <laughs> absolutely I need to work on. I know with my kids, with my wife, wouldn't the world be better if we all just assumed the the best? Sure. Even though it's a little manipulative, it still sounds good. It still sounds nice. I think it's okay to no, be. No, you, 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 the, the it's very important that we find out the why way more than we know the what. Yes. It doesn't matter what type of house it is. Well, I mean, within reason. Right. But if we need to know that (laughs) why so much more before we need to know the what, you know. I love uh, Matt Terrio's questions. He talks about this on his podcast, and I've borrowed it shamelessly, but I try to give him credit. The three questions that Matt Terrio always asks a seller is number one, what's your situation? Number two, what would you like to see happen? And number three, if I can make that happen, how quickly do you need to sell your house? Just open-ended questions like that. You don't have to get into the price, how much do you need for the house? What's the least you'd take if I could pay you all cash and close in seven days? Can you go any less than that? What's your mortgage? Why are you selling? Those kinds of uh, just leave them open-ended. And I, I've used the same question before as well, um, but I, I maybe phrase it negative. Um, sounds like a beautiful house, nice area. Why would you even want to sell it, right? Uh, or why, this is another good question, because if it's been listed for a while, sounds like a real nice house. Why, haven't is, why hasn't it sold yet? But just framing that in the positive, I like that a lot, Cody. That's good. Yeah. But I think the key is you're asking open-ended questions, right? Always, 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 always. I think there is uh, one thing that I learned from countless mistakes that I still make today. It's did I spend enough time finding out the why? Because the why is the reason I'm going to book that appointment. My local wholesaler right now that we do deals with, um, there's just one question he wants us to ask every lead that comes in. Obviously, he wants the name, phone number, and the address of the property. There's only one question he wants the VA to ask, and it's this. Are you looking to sell this house, or are you just testing the market to see what you can get for it is? That's it. And based on that answer, those will be the first leads that he calls back. He just wants to make sure that they really want to sell the house, right? And uh, then he goes into the more detailed questions about their motivation. But don't I think, man, if people grasped, grasped this and really started focusing more on motivation and the why, not the what, people will have a lot less headaches in this business and start doing a lot more deals, I think. It's about, it's about relationships. It's about people. It's about, um, yeah, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with 100% on uh, it's a relationship business. It shouldn't be a sales how, business. 
houses don't sell houses. People sell houses. Yeah, very good. Cody, what were some of the other failures? You, you mentioned going out to too many houses, maybe not. What, what were some other failures that you were struggling with? Um, what mail piece to send out? That was a huge failure. That's why I say if you can hire a mentor that's already doing it, he's going to bring you into the secret right away versus spending a lot of marketing dollars and realizing, A, you sent it to the wrong list and you bought a $3,000 list from ListSource that was completely garbage versus having the right filters and still using ListSource if that's what you want. That's what I use. And just applying the right filters and all of a sudden having a completely different result on how many phone calls are coming in, how many deals are closing versus seriously, I, I bought a $3,000 list and it was <laughs> it was garbage, well, every one of it. <laughs> Tom, Tom and I have had this debate many times. And basically what we're talking about, I think, Cody, correct me if I'm right, uh, if I'm wrong, uh, absentee owners versus high equity, basically, right? Correct. So I'm, I'm going to guess that the first list you bought was just all absentee owners, right? Correct. Alex, where are you on this? Do you, you've got somebody who's no, just... No, I believe that you should find the most potential probable people to sell and don't differentiate between uh, absentee and owner-occupied. If you can sort it to get the best of both worlds, do it that way. Okay, that's good. That's a great way to dance around the issue. <laughs> should you mail absentees or high equity both okay i totally agree so 100 agree now cody talk a little bit it's not a secret i mean and here's the here's the important thing for people to remember or recognize too there is no secret list right there is no list there that is that that uh only a few people have in the in the industry i mean there's there's just it just doesn't exist so Stop trying to chase that secret, elusive list. Um, it's, it's important to still mail um, to the hard-to-get list, the smaller niche list, you know, but there is no secret list. So talk about the difference for you then, Cody, when you were mailing to absentees and then you started mailing to high-equity owner-occupants. Why do you think there was such a difference? The big thing, I guess, when it comes to the list, what I messed up on is – Man, it was almost like a world list. Like I was mailing to everyone in Utah. There was no specific filters like how old the mortgage was, how old the person is living in the home. You can narrow these down and be so specific. And in my mind, I, I looked at uh, who has the potential of having the highest equity, who has the potential of maybe downsizing because kids moved out and they're now empty nesters. So I literally, my first list and my most powerful list at the time was – was uh, buying something that was 50 years and older, had to be the, the occupant. Um, so, it had to be at least five years old, the mortgage, and then all the way down to origination date of 1960, I think I went down to, <laughs> yeah. so that you had 40% minimum equity all the way up to 100% equity. And those were some, the main filters that I could tell you. And then from there, it's having the right mail piece, and then he whose mail piece is in that person's hand when he's thinking of selling really is the secret. Yeah. That's right. Timing. Well, so what we related to that is also the consistency and the volume. Correct. In my experience, my best list has always been the absentee owners list. Just because as a, in a group, as a group in, a, in, in general, the most likely group of people to be motivated and ready to sell is a landlord a tired landlord. They've rented this thing forever. The problem is that it's a very competitive list. Tons of people mail to it. So, you know, I always struggle with, all right, when I'm working with somebody new, I mail to absentee and high equities. Uh, I just, I pick my target zip codes. I know exactly where the biggest demand is. And I mail to everybody in that zip code. All of the, all of the absentees and high equities, I just pull them all together and mail them all, right? But if somebody's with a, on a limited budget, uh, I always struggle with, well, what, do, what, what should they mail to first, absentees or, or high equity? Alex, what would you tell them to do? Uh, you've got to find the most probable people if you've got a small budget. So a really good way to do it 
is to find the areas that are moving, yeah. um, like even down to a subdivision. Yeah. Um, and then you can scale from there. So That's a great point. Um, great point. Yeah. So if you – a good way to do it is to look for the MLS or see if you can get with a realtor and find areas in which the properties are selling for more than what they're being listed for. And if you can nail down a few of those zip, uh, um, subdivisions and then pull the entire subdivision and then send the whole subdivision. And then you can start with a very small amount of mail and then just scale it out as you, as you move. And then when you get your first deal, then you can go for more leads or mailers, so to speak. I like that. Cody, what would you say? There is so many – if we're going on a budget, and I can even take it maybe a little bit further, is uh, so many people forget just uh, easy, easy traditional marking that takes a little bit of sweat, which is also your cheapest way. And that is as simple as, as finding that subdivision, like Alex said. I 100% agree. And if you want to make it even cheaper, make some door hangers. Here's the beautiful thing. I know this sounds absolutely crazy, but it's working in my market. I pay pe- little ki- – I pay – Youth in my in my church group that's here in Utah, yeah. they deliver door hangers, fifteen cents a piece, and so they'll make anywhere from about about fifteen bucks an hour. They do about a hundred an hour, a uh, hundred doors an hour. These door hangers go to that subdivision and hang one of these on the door. The theory behind it, in my mind, is you're not mixed up with twenty pieces of mail and Discover Card and Visa and uh, pest control and everything else. It is just your piece and your piece only when they open that door. Whether they throw in the garbage, that still is the uh, high potential. But for at least 30 seconds to a minute, it was your piece and your piece only in their hand. Yeah. That's, so it works. That's a great it way It works, and it's a cheap uh, way of marketing. I used to do that with Post-it notes. Have you ever tried that? I have not, but I've heard people doing that, and I, I, I haven't yet. I have a good. I used to get complaints. People are like, "Oh, it's going to peel the paint off my door when I take your post-it note off." <laughs> yeah, the new ones that you buy don't do that. But I, I had a, a friend that uh, did that one time. He walked around, or was it? A, I forget. Maybe somebody we interviewed on the podcast. But anyway, yeah. he put tape on the it wasn't post-it note he got a piece of paper and taped it onto the door and that tape Uh, when you pull it off the door pulls the paint that is not a good thing to do (laughs) but uh we just did a post-it note campaign uh, a few weeks ago and we got you did we did we got about 65 calls on it and we did about that's great we did about twelve thousand postcards what percent is that let me pull up my calculator here 65 calls divided by twelve thousand so that's half of one percent but if you look at the cost for that campaign twelve thousand postcards you did that in st louis yeah yeah we're, we're targeting a certain area of st louis uh-huh postcards or post-it post-it notes uh how do you think you would have done if you used a uh, a, a vetted brand like one eight hundred Fair Offer on those Post-it notes? <laughs> I I well we'll have to talk about that offline because I've been testing some vanity numbers, and I'll I'll tell you ah. about it offline. Uh, so, but anyway, twelve thousand. I think we're paying about eighteen cents per Post-it note. That's for printing and delivery. Um, I got it to where I can buy these things. And by the way, Cody, uh, I have a good friend. We've interviewed him a long time ago on this show, Will Velasquez. He's not even doing real estate anymore. He's. Uh, oh. Do you remember Will Velasquez, Alex, from Salt Lake yeah, City? Yeah, he, he went to doing real estate, to coaching real estate, and to now he, not doing real estate. He is, I, won't, I can't tell you his numbers, but he is crushing it right now in e-commerce. He's selling stuff. Really? Oh, yeah, he's selling stuff online and making, making way more money than he was in real estate. Focus, wow. focus, no more shiny objects. Focus will make you rich. <laughs> shiny objects will make you go blind. That's what I have to tell myself. <laughs> that <I'm> t- <laughs> but I, oh, I saw Will Velasquez at the same event that I was at um, when I saw Justin just a couple months ago. Justin Williams wow. and his wife, Tara. So anyway, uh, he's doing great. He's doing awesome. But he was using Post-it notes in Salt Lake City and having great success with it. And he actually would just print... Uh, you want a fair offer for your house? Call me, Will, phone number. That oh. was it. 
And he put it. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> you want a fair offer for your house? We buy houses. And then you can put under oh. that. And then you put under that. We buy ugly houses. No, he did it. <laughs> he put in there. You're gonna. You're gonna. <laughs> he put on there. We buy fair, ugly houses. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Those of you who know what we're talking we about. We buy ugly houses fairly. Copyright. <laughs> yes, we're talking about copyright. Walking the line. <laughs> so okay, well, Alex, if he was well, that was before you even licensed that whole thing. But yeah. all right. So he w- did post-it notes and uh, did really well with that. And he would target certain specific areas. And if anybody's interested, if you go to his website, if it's still up, it's realestatebywill.com. And he has two posts in there. He has two posts in there on how he does his post-it notes. And there's a website where he goes and he, you know, he shows you in that post how to create the handwrite, handwritten font, how to tilt the image a little bit. Uh, how to put the yellow background, and then you can go to Vistaprint and just up. You can up order thousands and tens of thousands of wow, post-it look notes. That. It is here. Will, real estate by Will. Yeah. And there's two posts he has on there about post-it notes, and he's from Salt Lake City. I see it. It's, it's a nice little website. I, I he's such a good uh, blog writer too. I mean, I, I I wish he was still in real estate, but uh, fair offer for your house. Try me. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So uh, it's real simple. And on, on that blog post, he shows you on a video. There's two b- posts again. And uh, you, can get, you can order them at uh, Vistaprint for super cheap. And it's a great little way to maybe even while you're walking through the neighborhood and you see a vacant house. Or, the, or walking at your desk. <laughs> yeah. If you're like me, you walk in your desk and you come up with these crazy ideas and you call your assistant who just gets it done for you, right? but uh so the post notes we got just half of a percent response rate but right if you look at and i we're still working those leads i'm not sure i'm sure we'll get a deal out of it but um, we're still working those leads if you look at the cost for that so twelve thousand uh post-it notes cost me about i'm just going to guess about 18 cents let's say 20 cents okay twelve thousand times 20 cents so it costs oh 12,000 times 0.2. It cost me about 2,400 bucks. That sounds really high. Did you say 12,000 or 1,200 the first time? I sent 12,000. We did 12,000 post-it notes. Okay. And um, that cost me, it didn't cost 20 cents. It cost about 17 cents. I'm doing my math here. So it was about about $2,000 that we spent. So that would have been about... 4,500 postcards, okay? And if I had 65 calls with 4,500 postcards, that's about a 1.5% response rate. So basically what I'm I'm saying is if you look at the cost per lead, we are doing a little better than postcards with Post-it notes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. So cost per lead is is something – it's usually about the same or a little better than postcards. So – it's it's it is cheaper to do. You you'll get fewer calls per post-it note than you would with a postcard, but cost per lead's the same. And it's great. It's a great strategy because uh, everybody is going to see that post-it note. You just got to be careful. What was your cost per call again on that? Oh, I don't remember. Um, whatever I said. Twelve <laughs> by sixty-five was it? Yeah, but my cost was about two thousand dollars to print and deliver. Those twelve thousand post-it notes, right? So two thousand divided by sixty-five, or sixty-five, thirty dollars and seventy-six cents per call. Yes, that's not bad. Now, with sixty of them telling you to pound sand, I'd have to look. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure a majority of them were, yeah, just like postcards, right? Yep. So that's just the way it is. But we we have very hyperactive buyers right now that are looking for properties that meet the certain criteria. And so we've just been blitzing this. Hyperactive these... property buyers. Oh, yeah. You, so, you want some? Hyperactive children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but we know these buyers want properties like in this area. And so we've been blitzing that area with post-it notes, postcards, and letters. 
And so just as an overall campaign, this is something that people shouldn't ignore. It's, you just got to, it's not like you should only do one or the other. You should do both. Just like you shouldn't just mail high equity people that are over 65 years old. You should mail that plus absentee owners. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Cody, um, talk a little bit more about the type of marketing you're doing now. And if you don't mind sharing, uh, let me phrase it like the, the correct way, this question. Cody, I'm sure you're doing like 20 deals a week, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Joe, I wish I could say that, but I'm actually doing <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, we try that. We average between uh, about two to three deals a week. Very good, man. That's awesome. Two to three deals a week, and I'm sure your average profit's like 50 grand each deal, right? Oh, you know, Joe, I wish it was that good. <laughs> no, but it has gone up. It was uh, this year, it's about 18.7. 7. 18, 7? Yep. Your average, average spread. Your average spread is 18 grand or 1,800. It is 18,700. Good for you, man. Now, do you, do you have a team of salespeople that are going out on appointments, or is it just you? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. So that's just started since January. So I just brought on my third person as of uh, just a month ago. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. Can I had we to over the, do another the uh, interview talking about your team setup. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's, can, let's do that. Yes. that. That's a great idea because I have to take my daughter to preschool in 10 minutes. But uh-huh. Cody, before we hang up, can we schedule a part two with you? Would that be all right? Schedule a part two, absolutely. Because normally Alex and I don't talk as much as this, but this has been really yeah. good. I, I, I think people have been re- getting a lot out of this. Um, so I was going to ask you, though, Cody, at the beginning of this, I hear it all the time. Like, my market is too competitive. Uh, I can't do deals in my market because this and that. And Salt Lake City is, an, is a competitive market. There's a high demand for housing there. Markets are reached, if they haven't already, they're going to soon, the peak from 2008. I know there's certain yep. markets, there's at least a dozen different markets around the country where they've, the house prices have already reached the peak of what they were back before the market crashed. So yep. that scares some people, right? And then they look at all of the wholesalers and all the competition that's already out there. What would you say to somebody that's afraid of that kind of stuff? Whew, I went through these same things. Had I not insured investors and seen these things, I would have felt these same emotions, these same feelings. The average feeling, the average person is going to feel like a beginner saying, oh, if someone like Cody Hoffman's hearing about this, it's just too late. It's, it's too late to get in because I'm hearing about it and I, I'm a nobody. I can uh-huh. tell you, get into it. Get into it now. It, it's going to keep going. There's always going to be these motivating factors. Yes, there might be a drop-off in cash buyers if there's a correction in the market. Yes, there might be slimmer margins. Instead of 18000 it might go down to 5000 But wholesaling will always be there because there's always going to be motivating factors like someone inherited mom and dad's ugly home that they don't have money to fix it up, so they need to sell it to an investor like myself, and I'll fix it up. Actually, I won't. I'll sell it. But uh, uh, my, my point is just get over that fear of, Yes, even someone like you that's a nobody like Cody Hoffine, yes, the market's still great. Jump in it. Um, if there was some things that I would tell them, it'd be have an accountability partner, whether that's your wife, whether that's a mom, a dad, whatever it is, hold someone accountable to make sure you're doing your action steps. Surround yourself with like-minded individuals. If it wasn't talking to people like yourself, Joe, Alex, uh, Tom, talking to people that are like-minded, that are yay-sayers, not the naysayers, because there's so many people that are so critical. But I, I guess I'm kind of off track, but no, it's competition. Good. I don't believe in comp- uh, competition. I just don't. I, I believe competition makes you that much better if you allow it to. I now look at it, how can I be better than my nearest competitor? What makes me stand out different? And it, it goes back to just uh, setting up just relationships. I really go into those appointments and I sit in there for an hour before I even talk to the house about the house. I should say, yeah, I literally talk about them. I talk about their photos. I get on my knee and pet their dog, ask what kind of dog it is. Oh, I have a three-year-old too. Her name's Kenley. So what grade are you in? Oh, sweet. Oh, this is a great picture. This looks like your wedding. Where'd wow. you get married at? Awesome. An hour, this is a great- 
That's How literally. That I'm is a you, long step one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Here's the secret. That is the secret. I'm telling you, I, I, five times I have not been the highest offer, and I still got the deal. Multiple times, there's five people on it. I get the contract. It's because people are so focused on the end goal, and that's the house, the contract, yeah. that they fail the first and biggest step. People do business with friends. And so my, fast, my best way of secret to anyone is establish a relationship of trust instantly when you get in there because he who establishes that relationship best is walking out of there with a the contract. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's right. That's good. It makes me cringe when I hear that, though. <laughs> like, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. I'll uh, go in a house. Oh, yeah. I mean, there have been times where I'll go into a house and spend, you know, build poor very, very quickly. Um, and and you, know, you kind of take charge of the scenario. Um, I've, I've gotten contracts with, and it's probably shame on me, 20, you know, 15, 20 minutes after being there. <laughs> but the thing, the thing with that is, though, you are kind of putting yourself in danger for somebody to come in after the fact. And uh, even though you have the contract, they, they still could burn you and try to go at somebody else. And then you've got, you know, a problem on your hands. Even though you have the contract, because you didn't take the time to put in the rapport yeah. that is necessary. That's really good advice. Right. And I like what right. you said about accountability, too. Just in the last three, four months, um, I've been taking my coaching clients and giving them scorecards. And I've done this for a long time, but I've really like been focusing intentionally on it. And when we do our calls, they have to report on their numbers. And the people, I'm telling you, without fail, who are meeting their numbers are doing deals. Without That's fail. It. It's so simple. It's Action, 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 action. Yeah. It's, you know, okay, you want to make 20 grand a month or 10 grand a month. That's fine. That's, that's a goal. You can't control that. You can't control that you need 50 leads to do a deal or you have to spend an average of $750 to do a deal, which is what, about what we're averaging in marketing right now. Okay. So, but you can't, wow. you can control, you can control. Well, I'm going to talk to five sellers a day. I'm going to make five offers a day. I'm going to send 500 postcards a week. I'm going to send 30 yellow letters a day. Those kinds of things you can control. And if you put those down in a scorecard, you need somebody that can hold you accountable to that and hold your feet to the fire because I can almost virtually guarantee your success. If you've got a good marketing plan down and you figure out, okay, and your goals are realistic and you can say, all right, if I want to do this amount of volume and deals, this is the type of stuff I need to do every day. And if you start doing that every day, give yourself a couple months, you start building that momentum in your business, it's almost impossible to fail. Would you agree to that, Cody? 100% agree. 100%. Excellent. Uh, so let's do this. Let's do a part two, Cody. And uh, we'd like to talk with you about how you build your sales team, some of the systems that you use to manage all of that. Is that cool? That is perfectly fine. I knew. See, when Tom said to interview you, I knew it was going to be a good interview. So... <laughs> you trust him. Absolutely. I love it. Bam! <laughs> come on. <laughs> come on, baby. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Tom, yeah, he's come funny. On. He's funny. He's, he's a funny guy. So, all right, guys. Um, by the way, I should mention this. We've been talking about Tom. Uh, you got to go listen to his podcast that he did with his brother, uh, Todd Toback. And his podcast, No Limits Investing, I think it is, No Limits Real Estate Investing. And you go yep. back a couple years ago, and Todd was actually interviewing Tom right after he got laid off of his job and was uh, wow. re really struggling. And it was a do it's called the Do or Die series, I believe. And there's about six or seven of these episodes. And have you heard those, Cody? Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. The 90-Day Investor. I remember talking to Todd during that time. And Tom struggled. It was hard. There was a couple times he just wanted to quit and give up. Um, but his brother was just pushing him. And that's one of the reasons why Tom's such a good coach is that he's pushing people to push past their limits um, and to be accountable. And that's what, you'll get a lot of that with what Todd was doing with Tom in that series from the No Limits Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm real good friends with Todd 
And uh, I, I really recommend you listen to those podcasts that he did with Tom and kind of get a background for the success that uh, Tom is now at, where he was, kind of how he got there and the struggles that he had. And it's, it's really good stuff. It's helpful. So, hey, thanks again, Cody. Uh, everybody, if you want more information on, on – oh, by the way, Cody, how do uh, people get a hold of you? And Do you have a website do you want to send people to? Or You know what? That's the sad thing is I'm so focused on just the wholesale and the deals. I don't even have a website other than a website for my sellers. But they can always see what I'm doing at Utah Sell Now on Facebook. You can like that page. You can see how I post my properties to my seller or to my cash buyers. Um, trends here in Utah. They can reach out to me by email. That's Cody Cash Offer at gmail.com. And you also brought up a, a thing with Tom that another thing is you have a huge following, Alex, Joe. The big thing is uh, me and Tom are actually partnering up and we'll have a huge seminar for people that want to take their wholesaling to the next level. And they can go, go to wholesaling. Inc. So it's www.wholesalinginc.com forward slash the number seven figure wholesaling. So we're going to do three three day events over the next year. The first one started in September in Orlando, and this is going to be for 30 people only. And it's going to be how to take you up to a sever, uh, seven figure wholesaling business from the ground up. It's going to cover everything how to get the biggest and fattest assignment fees, um, you name it, all the way to automation to where you're hiring staff so that you're like Joe. You can stay behind your desk and walk on a treadmill while people are out there putting Post-it notes all through the neighborhood. <laughs> there you go. Love it. So, um, again, go to Facebook, look for Utah Sell Now, or you can email oh. Cody at CodyCashOffer at gmail.com, or go to, to get information on this uh, seminar, that circuit that Cody and Tom are doing. Wholesalinginc.com slash seven, the number seven, figure wholesaling.com, I-N-G, right? Or- yep, and that will go live. So that will be just where you can plug in your information so that when it goes live, we'll let you know about it. And that's going to be very exclusive. It's going to be 30 people and 30 people only because the focus is getting people to seven-figure income. And we want that a small group and make that a successful event for Good. each and everyone signing up for it. I'll have all those links in the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to realestateinvesting.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes. Uh, Alex and I put together a fast cash survival kit, which has been downloaded like crazy uh, recently, even, Alex. It's doing really well. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, Cody, uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. You guys have been great, so thank you. All right.